What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside you here on Wednesday, July 28th. As the trade deadline creeps ever closer, the Cardinals also had a ball game on Wednesday afternoon. I imagine based on the result of that, you'd rather talk trade deadline conversation, though if we get into that, may not be all that much more interesting from a Cardinals perspective. A couple of moves, though, across Major League Baseball as the trade deadline season really starts to kick into full gear with about 48 hours until it closes out as of the recording of this podcast. Cardinals lose to the Indians on Wednesday, 7-2. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about some of the trades going on across Major League Baseball as well in tonight's episode. Beginning with the Cardinals, though, not a great day for them out in Cleveland. Not Kwon Young Kim's afternoon in particular. The Cardinals lose this one 7-2 behind Kim's worst outing that we've seen from him in some time. He gives up five runs, all earned in two and two-thirds innings pitched, and the long ball was the culprit in this one. Batting practice for the Cleveland Indians. Batters, Fran Reyes hit a couple of them. In total, the Indians get four homers off of KK and dispose of the Cardinals this afternoon at Progressive Field. Just was really a frustrating game to watch from a Cardinals perspective because the offense, while they had their number of hits, just didn't get anything done in the final, what, six innings of this game. The first third of the game, decent enough. Cardinals score a couple of runs. You get contributions from Dylan Carlson, who had another nice day. He's been heating up the plate. Goes two for four, scores twice, and had an RBI. The other run was knocked in by Yadier Molina, who actually knocked in Carlson with the first run of the game there in the first inning. Base hit right through the wickets up the middle. Carlson driving in the other. And that was about it for the Cardinals, as they couldn't mount much against Cleveland. The starter was Zach Plesek, but the bullpen... Really just a dominant performance against Cardinals hitters. The final four innings of this game, St. Louis struck out a combined seven times without boasting a base runner. No hits, no walks over that stretch. So pretty much a rollover and die scenario for the Cardinals. Those are going to happen when your starting pitcher gives up four homers. I think we've talked about the impact that poor pitching can have on an offense as a game goes along. Cardinals had the expectation earlier in this game to be right in the thick of it, but when you continue to give up bombs, that can begin to wane, and it clearly did in this case for the Cardinals as they were unable to get anything done over the rest of the game against Cleveland. So where does that put the Cardinals now? They're kind of right back where they've been, muddling around the 500 mark, and they're exactly at that at the moment at 51-51. and Mike Schilt was asked after the game, what the Cardinals have to do to be able to get over that hump. And he took some exception to the question, the line of questioning, considering that coming into Wednesday's game, the Cardinals had won seven of their last 10, but now it's obviously seven of their last 11, and I believe the number is seven of 12 since the All-Star break. And so while that's a, a pace above 500, the Cardinals, it feels like there needs to be a little more urgency with regard to the standings, right? And It's not surprising to hear the manager of the team take exception a little bit to that idea because he's seeing the things he wants to see and the elements of competitive baseball that he believes 
if that are replicated over the course of the next two months, the Cardinals are going to be where they want to be. Understandably so. And yes, off a streak of 7 out of 10, it's kind of hard to get all too picky, but then it's an ever-evolving situation. When you lose today, suddenly you're not where you were, and it's a it's a day-to-day status update that occurs over the course of the season. And so Mike Schultz knows that, but I think he was trying to take that step back to say, hey, look, I mean, he's... He'll, he'll, he'll draw it all the way back to a month ago when the Cardinals began to slowly find their gear and turn things around out of the gate from the All-Star break. The, those seeds had begun to bear some fruit, but I still think they're looking at the patient approach to say Rome wasn't built in a day, and, and if we continue to play baseball the way we know we're capable, Cardinals believe they can make it somewhere. But at some point, I do think you've got to get off of that kind of magnet back toward 500 whether it's slightly above or slightly below you know in recent days the Cardinals finally were able to get a game above 500 before being drugged back down I believe that happened at least once maybe twice for a while though you do have to consider they weren't really a 500 team they were two three games below and they've been able over the course of the last couple of weeks to bring it back to that 500 level but that's obviously not going to get the job done it's not going to be enough to put the Cardinals where they ultimately want to go, and that's the postseason. And you've got teams around the game right now making their changes, their adjustments as the trade deadline approaches. The Milwaukee Brewers have been as good as any team in going out and targeting the needs they believe they have as a roster and making moves that can that can fix those situations. The Cardinals have had clear needs throughout most of the season, they haven't really done anything about them other than kind of bargain bin shopping in, in the pitching market, which is fine. That's something that needed to be done if the Cardinals weren't willing to explore the bigger moves. But these other teams are making it happen. Milwaukee Brewers getting Eduardo Escobar from the Arizona Diamondbacks today. That's one of the moves that happened across baseball. Not the biggest one, but the other one took place in the American League with Joey Gallo going from the Rangers to the Yankees. Another guy, the Cardinals, I I talked about Joey Gallo earlier in the season as a potential Cardinals target. I think that fell by the wayside for a couple of reasons, one being that the Cardinals have not been competitive enough necessarily in their mind to make a big splash. I mean, the, the Rangers are getting some serious prospects, several among the Yankees' top 30 list in exchange for Joey Gallo, and now they've got a huge outfield with some serious power thump talking about guys 656667 with Judge Stanton and now Gallo just a bunch of towers out there in the outfield. I guess one of them could probably DH. But the Yankees are a team who has had a season that hasn't quite gone to their expectations, but they're still making moves not only now but for in the future as well. They're also a team that's gotten a little bit hot as of late. They're 7 out of their last 10, now 6 games above 500, so a little bit of a different set of circumstances compared to the Cardinals, but Gallo, again, could be a guy that I believe is under team control for at least one more season after this one, so that would have been a move for not just now, but for the future as well, and when people talk about, I see this sentiment on Twitter, and I've I've kind of uh, poked the bear a little bit a couple of times, talking about the Cardinals need to sell, they need to consider selling, and I just keep coming back to the fact that I don't think there's anything worthwhile for the Cardinals to actually sell. You could trade some of these expiring contracts, Yes, Kwon Young Kim would be an option, at least before today. He probably would have had some pretty good value. I think the Cardinals might intend to bring him back next year, though, and I don't know that they want to 
to make things more complicated by potentially trading him. I, typically, when you trade a guy, you're not re-signing him at the end of the year. That rarely happens, and I think it's too complicated of a maneuver to try to pull off. And so, yes, expiring contract for KK. No, I don't really think that you need to bother trading for him. You might get, you know, a, a mid-level prospect because he's on an expiring deal. I just don't see it being worth the Cardinals' time. They're still 500. Their their due diligence right now is to play the best baseball they can. KK, while he struggled today, is still a part of that and could be next year if they want to bring him back. KK has expressed interest in potentially returning to St. Louis beyond the 2021 season. Looking at other expiring contracts, though, when you talk about going to sell mode, if you're the St. Louis Cardinals, Yadi and Wayno, that's a non-starter. We, I, I shouldn't have to talk about why that is, but it is. If you need to hear it, uh, you've, you've just heard it. I've just told you. Andrew Miller, okay, but I don't think he's going to fetch much at all. And he's a guy that it, I would think he's got a no-trade baked in. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I just can't imagine the, the spending the time in the, in the days leading up to the deadline trying to ship out Andrew Miller. I just don't see the point. I don't see the return. It doesn't make it doesn't add up to me. Then you start talking about guys like Giovanni Gallegos, and I'm thinking he's been one of their best relievers. I don't think that a 2022 Cardinals team is better with Giovanni Gallegos on another roster. So you might as well keep the guys that are under team control beyond this season, because I do think even if this is a a blip in the radar for the Cardinals, where they're where they're not able to get. 2021 to the end result that they were hoping for I don't think that suddenly signifies a rebuild you've got the core of your team that's still kind of in that championship window in that aging process if you're going to have Nolan Arenado and a Paul Goldschmidt those kinds of players as the central figures on your team you're not in rebuild mode the Cardinals cannot afford to go into that kind of mode so no I would not be trading away and some people said well look at what they're getting Kendall Graveman fetched a, a nice haul and, and relievers high-end relievers in particular are, are are getting some good attention on the market right now I just don't think it's worthwhile I don't think it makes sense if the Cardinals could get just a bona fide stud prospect maybe they'll pursue it I don't think that's where their head's at right now though I guess we'll find out over the course of the next couple of days with regard to adding pieces where could they turn I I don't think it's going to be anything splashy I believe Kyle Gibson still has yet to be moved. That could be a move that would have implications beyond this year. But I don't think the Cardinals are going to trade for a starter anymore. If reports continue to be positive on the direction of Michaelis and Flaherty, I just don't know if the Cardinals are going to be motivated to go out and get another starting pitcher. I think the window is almost past for that to be a plausible outcome. Now, there was a time where the Cardinals should have been doing that, and, and you can't make up that time. You can't get it back. But with these guys coming around the bend, and again, do I think that's the right decision? No, I I still think they could be pursuing these moves because there's no guarantee that once you get everybody back healthy, it stays that way. I don't think that's automatic by any means. And so you could could always have a need at starting pitching, and and that could arise in mid-August, early September, and, and you won't be able to do anything about it then. And you still have a team in the Cardinals within striking distance in the standings. So I think now is the time to try to make those adjustments if you can. Obviously, it's it's looking a little bit bleak when you're down nine games from the Brewers. But listen, anything can happen, and there's still plenty of baseball left to be played. 
and you also have to consider that the San Diego Padres are behind the Brewers in the standings, so you're even a little bit closer technically to a wild card spot than you are right now to the Central Division leader. So moves could be made. The Cardinals could go pursue them. I just don't think you're going to see any big-name prospects moved by St. Louis because that's not a position the Cardinals feel is is profitable at this point to, to sell out for something in the short term. Now, the kind of move that I could envision making sense for the Cardinals is like a Herman Marquez from the Rockies, a guy who's under control, and even if Kyle Gibson is your answer, if that's the, the direction you want to go, I haven't really kept up in the last couple of days on what the latest rumors have been for him, but certainly he's a name that's still floating around as a guy who could be moved over the next 48 hours ahead of the trade deadline. He's had a really good season. He was an American League All-Star, former Mizzou guy, obviously, and so that's kind of interesting with the local ties. And for the season, has a 2.7 ERA. That's a lot better than he's been at any other point in his career, and so that's a little bit of the concern for me. Are you buying a guy at his peak, expecting that he's going to be able to help you for multiple years as a 33-year-old as it is? And then, you know, you you make that trade thinking you're getting multiple good years out of him potentially for the future. And then it turns around and that doesn't end up being the case because his, his performance declines in 2022. And suddenly you've given up prospects for a guy that is just another guy that you already feel like you have. Like Miles Michaelis, he's in that 30-year-old, 30-plus-year-old category He's under team control, and they're going to need to get innings out of him because they've already signed him. Like, unless you're getting somebody that you feel really good about with upside, I have a little bit of a, a question in whether or not you want to go that route. And Michael, is, he could turn around. That that contract could still become a, a salvageable one for the Cardinals, but he's got to be healthy to do that. And we just haven't seen his health in the last two years, and so it's easy to wonder about that deal at this point in time. But those kinds of deals like Herman Marquez, Kyle Gibson – those are the deals that would require some actual muscle to be sent away. You could live with it, though, if you're getting someone that you really like for your future as well. Can they help you this year? Yes. Do they check the box on 2022 and beyond? Yes, I could see those being of interest. But if you're asking me if I'm going out and predicting the Cardinals to acquire one of these controllable starters on the market, I would say probably not. I would say they're going to be satisfied with the idea that they can return two of their their top three starters in Michaelis and Flaherty, and then roll with what they have at that point in their rotation. And and they could have a decent rotation if that ends up working out. Wade LeBlanc, instead of being your number three, ends up being your number five, and maybe you have something you can work with. But Cardinals have got to be able to start winning games before that. They, they can hardly afford at this point, because of the losses they've, they've taken recently, to not be able to advance above 500 as of yet. They can't really afford to say, ah, just... Keep, keep shoveling water out of the boat, make sure it doesn't sink, and then get your guys back, and then you can begin to ascend. They, they'll only have about six weeks left of the season at that point. Now you've got closer to eight or nine. It's a little more feasible if they can start winning now. Harder to do, though, when you don't have the full complement of players that you want to win with. So a little bit of a catch-22 for the Cardinals, for their front office, but that's that's kind of what happens with underperformance and not being able to meet expectations to this point in the year. I understand Mike Schild is a is an optimistic guy. He comes at things from that perspective, and that's a an admirable quality. But 
at some point the Cardinals do have to begin to win at a little bit of a higher rate if they're going to be able to start clawing away at the deficit that they're facing right now. I do still think there's good news in the way they've performed, the way certain guys are coming to life offensively to be able to maybe carry you a little bit. We've seen Harrison Bader do some great things. Today wasn't one of those days for Bader as he uh, left six on base, went 0 for 4, was not able to come through in the clutch moments for the Cardinals in this one on Wednesday. But we've seen him come around. Goldschmidt, Carlson, O'Neill, they've got pieces here. Uh, the one that's going to be a little bit of a question is uh, Nolan Arenado right now. We'll see what he looks like. The good news is that after his hit-by-pitch that he sustained on Wednesday, Cardinals do have an off day on Thursday. But watching that live, I thought, man, that doesn't look good. It's an, it's really close to an area you don't want to mess with, kind of getting to that funny bone area. Cardinals officially termed it a right forearm contusion, said he's day-to-day. Mike Schilt didn't seem especially concerned about it after the game. I'm sure they'll continue to get him tested and looked at. The The only concern would be if, he, you know, you kind of saw him gripping his fingers and kind of making a fist and, and, and shaking out the rust a little bit after the HBP. If there's any kind of nerve problems that linger for him, that could be a little bit of a concern. But otherwise, ideally, Nolan will be back in there on Friday for the Cardinals. He made another classic Nolan Arenado defensive play in the third inning of Wednesday's game before sustaining that injury in the fifth. You just love the way he charges the ball barehanded and can make the crossbody throw while midair. He does it as well as anybody I've ever seen. And it gets to the point now where you can anticipate it's coming. Like the guy tried to bunt. That's probably not advised. I don't know why anybody would try to bunt to the third base side of the St. Louis Cardinals infield defense alignment, but it continues to happen. And Arenado adds another highlight to his book. I don't see any way, as long as he remains healthy, that he does not win another gold glove as a National League third baseman this year. He's just been outstanding. Another guy who should probably win one is Paul Goldschmidt. He got the DH duties, though, today, get him off his feet a little bit offensively, and Carp was over there at first base defensively. But fielding the Arenado throw perfectly in the third inning, and you love what you see from a defensive perspective from this Cardinals team day in and day out, but offense has to come too. Didn't come on Wednesday for the Cardinals, and so that's why the Cardinals end up behind the eight ball with a loss to the Cleveland Indians, soon-to-be Cleveland Guardians. That leaves the Cardinals once again at 500 as they leave Wednesday. They'll remain right smack dab in that spot on Thursday because there is no game. And then it'll be trade deadline day. We'll see what kind of movement can happen on the Cardinals off day. I did talk about the fact that maybe tomorrow's podcast on Thursday will do a little more trade deadline speculation and talk as the news continues to come around. Since there is no game, we can probably spend some more time on that on Thursday. So if you've got any questions that you'd like to be addressed regarding the deadline, regarding the Cardinals and what they might do or should do, go ahead and drop me a voicemail. Anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. You can record your own thoughts and I'll play them on the next Shape Daily Podcast. If we're talking trade deadline, would love to have your questions, comments, or concerns, of which you may have quite a few, about the middling state of the St. Louis Cardinals. You can also send me a direct message on Twitter at bshafer12 if you have any questions, or tweet them at me, and we can get to those in tomorrow's show. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. Going to wrap things up here a little bit early because there wasn't a whole lot to talk about from today's game as the Cardinals. I mean, when you when you go six innings without really mustering much of a fight you don't get a hit off of the entire Cleveland bullpen 
not a great sign. Just one of those games where KK did not have things working on his pitches. It was a little coming in a little bit flat, and the Indians took advantage of that. Mistook this game for a home run derby, and, and the result bore that out. So Cardinals lose at 7-2. We'll have more action to talk about as the week unfolds. Cardinals return home, as I mentioned. They'll take on the Twins, and I'll be at all of those games over the weekend at Bush Stadium. So plenty more Cardinals talk to come between now and the rest of the week. And you also have that trade deadline coming up. So get your questions in. We'll be excited to talk about that on Thursday. But appreciate you guys as always. Going to wrap things up here. And until next time, this has been Be Safe Daily. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Peace.